from the creators of Relevant Magazine, this is The Relevant Podcast. I do it for the culture, I take it global I've been moreno, papi loco, since ocho ocho I like dance on the lolo, it's in my torso I got fire like some culture, so get in my ojos Okay, okay, we don't walk away, in my go day, no way, in my go leave Oh no, not today, do not be behaving, but it's on the lead Weep before you speak, though, think before you eat How you love a country, food more than this it's Friday, October 12, 2018, and it's The Relevant Podcast. I'm your host, Cameron Strang, and here with me in our Orlando studio on the ones and twos, our illustrious engineer, my brother Chandler Strang. Hello. Over there on the Skype line from Loverland, Virginia, Jesse Carey. Hello, hello. From Nashville, Tennessee, Tyler Huckabee. Hey, everybody. And joining us all the way from San Antonio, Texas, uh, author, speaker, podcaster, and aspiring cowgirl, Annie F. Downs. <laughs> Good morning, gents. I took it so serious last week when you called me a cowgirl that I came all the way to Texas to prove it. What, what, are, what, are, what are you doing in the great Lone yeah. Star State? I woke right? up this morning and, and you know the city looked a little bit darker. Things The sky was a little bit grayer. The birds weren't singing quite as sweetly as usual you, as they do here in the South. <laughs> I, I did, I, and I knew I knew what it was. You knew I wasn't just across the river. I um, had some events out here over the weekend, and I just stayed this week. Do y'all remember my friends that are in Wicked, that the Wicked touring, the Broadway touring show? And they are both about to leave the show. And so since I was already here, I just stayed so that I could hang out with them and see the show one last time. How many times have you seen the show? With them in it, I've seen it four times. Wow. That's more than I've ever seen. That's more than the total plays I've ever seen, much less a single play. What do you think Wicked is about, Jesse? Um, That's a great uh, question. A heavy yeah. metal band. This is okay, keep going. This should be a new segment. <laughs> Jesse guesses what musicals are. One more no, I know it. it's witch related. I know yes. it's. I know it's bewitching. It's know, actually related to Wizard of Oz. That's right. That's right. It doesn't. It, is this one of those things where it's like? the alternative uh, story like from the witch's perspective because look here's the thing <laughs> i i'm i feel like i feel like we're done with those culturally like i remember reading when i was a kid the three little pigs from the from the big bad wolf's perspective and i thought okay i remember that was like third grade i thought that's pretty original we've had enough of it though like we need we need no more stories told from alternatives just let yeah just let them wicked live was, wicked's been around for a long time it was kind of like it was one of the og that's like right. maybe this bad person is actually a, misunderstood like, of misfortune yes yeah. and and but been that I don't know when the book was first written. It was a long time ago. My thing is, my thing is, it, I don't like musical stuff. Like it, 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 it's enough for me to have to suspend my disbelief that I'm like I'm so, I'm so spoiled by movies that when I see a stage performance, I'm like, you know, well, well, well obviously that's not a real kitchen. You know what I mean? Like <laughs> I already have to suspend my belief that much. Now I got to suspend it that people are just breaking out in a song. Musicals ruin everything. There are so many things I'd be like, oh, I totally want to see that until I hear it's musical. Like Wes Anderson's sex movie. It's like a comedy set in like the French Riviera. I'm like, oh, that sounds kind of fun and interesting. Uh, I, I get like he's really embraced this whole like dollhouse thing now where everything lives in this weird manufactured little dollhouse world. That's fine. That's fine. I will suspend my disbelief. But if they start singing, I'm out. I'm out. Oh I have gosh, zero you're interest. You're missing out, bud. You, so you, you hate 
hate because you you're a big Wes Anderson fan. I and, am. But you hate musicals more I'm than out. you love Wes Anderson. They are so boring. Like literally, <laughs> if I could just fast forward the music, or if you could just speak the dialogue, they should offer. Here's the thing: you're talking wow. about alternative, you, you know, perspectives. Why don't they offer a musical where they just speak the dialogue? Like That's that would be play. fine with me. That's literally a play. <laughs> <laughs> or a movie, yeah, or a regular movie. Cameron, you're you with me on this. I, 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 I'm not a musical guy, but I am palpably feeling the absence of Eddie Caulfield's right now. I know, right? <laughs> yeah, that's true. Right. Yeah, that's true. It's yeah. like when we have the ask science mic button whenever we get off yeah. in the scientific yes. theory. Uh, I feel like whenever you <laughs> go ranting point. about musicals, we need to have a ask Eddie Caulfield's button. Mm-hmm, well, mm-hmm. we know how contentious this would get if if he chimes <laughs> in, but I think everyone knows. Like, there's that movie about. Um, okay, so th- there's that new kids movie. Smallfoot, and I was like, "Oh, you know, like I'm into cryptozoology. Like I love Bigfoot stuff. Like this is something maybe me and my son can share a moment and go see it." Then I found out it's a musical, and I'm like, "No, nah, I'm out. I'm out. No, no interest. That sounds horrible. Like I don't need a Bigfoot to start singing. Bigfoots are interesting enough. You don't need them to sing." Where are you at on on movies that justify them, like a Star Is Born type situation where the singing comes from a plate like? These are singers. Yeah, yeah. Like, okay, Stars Born or Once. Once, Once was is a good example. Yeah, and oh, music Once was so was defining, so but it wasn't a musical. You know, I mean, yeah. they didn't but, like but sing the thing dialogue. Is, like, if it's like if if it's makes sense in the context of of what the plot is, like, so if if in a Stars Born or Once, it's like, hey, I I wrote this great song, let me play it. That's a plausible scenario that could happen in real life. If the right. plot is they walk into an Italian restaurant and the a waiter comes over and goes, I. See a pair out on a date spaghetti for two. Yes, please. Extra sauce and a glass of wine. Like, like get him out. Come out. That would never well, happen. I would if leave that's that your idea of a musical. Right I'm not surprised you're not into. Yeah, serious. Usually, it's not the waiter right taking an order. <laughs> I, I've seen worse on Broadway. I think the only time I've seen you know musicals, I, I don't go to them in the theater, but on Broadway, I mean, there's a there's a certain you know charm to them. I mean, like School of Rock, even. I took Ch- uh, Cohen to School go Rock see was really on Broadway. Hamilton, know, it's like, Hamilton, it's a sensation. It's, it's a it's a big deal. We've and already entirely- we've already maligned Hamilton enough. I'm not going to give my take. We've already been. <laughs> you know, I think I missed that. Already- okay, yeah. let me tell you the thing about this that blew my mind yesterday. So we're in San Antonio and we went to SeaWorld and with the with the witches and the two women who are the witches and they had. One Are of, they real? Wait, they're real witches? They're real witches. They also play <laughs> the witches in a play. Witches. It's unbelievable yeah. how they work that out. It's like Dedication. method acting. Right? Yeah. I mean, make it your life is what they say. Um, and they <laughs> had the people who run the orca whales, like those trainers, had Jenna Claire Mason, who is one of the witches, Glinda, sing to the whales. And you guys, she sang Somewhere Over the Rainbow from Wizard of Oz. And it was one of the most beautiful things I've ever seen. The whales just like stood there up against the glass and they turned and put one of their fins up with one of their ears out of the water. I've never seen anything like it. They started singing back, though. In hindsight, they were singing, help me, help me. I'm in captivity and I don't belong. They were singing their order for spaghetti. I am a whale and I don't belong in a goldfish bowl. (laughs) It's bent over, which means I'm sad. If I was happy, it'd be up, but I'm sad, so it's not. (laughs) With a voice that angelic, surely this will be the woman who is here to set us free. (laughs) 
They think my moves are just being silly when all I want to do is free Willy. <laughs> and curtain clothes. I'm just trying to tell y'all a beautiful experience I was a part of. Free Willy the musical. It was beautiful be... for you. I don't know about the whale, though. The whale was like, this is cool. Maybe this seems like someone who's compassionate, not like a little kid who's like, you know, mocking me by licking an ice cream cone in my face. Like, this is someone <laughs> who could see who could see that I was abducted. I was oh, abducted oh from my pod. Free Willy, the musical, told from Willie's perspective, in which he, yeah. all of his songs are at the, like there's lyrics to it. <laughs> but set to Michael Jackson music, like the original Free Willy. Starring Jenna Claire Mason, she could do it. That she could be I the witch see. that does it. Free Willy, the musical, the most expensive Broadway production ever. They yeah, had to, it, yeah. It has to take place in a giant fish tank. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> And you thought you thought the whales are miserable at that giant pool at SeaWorld. Wait till you see how miserable they are when we put a tank on a Broadway stage. It's yeah. not very bad. The traveling, the, the traveling musical is it's animal cruelty. It, the, PETA is not happy about it, but it's for a good but cause. It is beautiful. It is beautiful. I mean, it is for a good cause. All the, all all the money goes to capitalism. They've been hurting since this whole scandal. Since the so. thing. Yeah. Man, no kidding. They really have. They they they're churning through CEOs like. You know, nobody. They're here and in Orlando. The orca, the orca shows are stopping. The one in San Diego is already done. They're not reproducing in captivity at all anymore. And the one in Orlando, where you guys are, or and the one in San Antonio, stopped in 2019. So it's, I mean, it's the end. They recognize that it's not the best thing. But then I, you're like, uh, but these fundam- whales. Fundamentally, I don't understand <laughs> the difference or the uproar around that. And why not the uproar around zoos? Yeah. Like it's the exact same yeah. thing. That yeah. lion yeah, should yeah, but, not but, but be. I don't know that it is. How? I, don't, I, I mean, the, the, I think the, uh, the some of the distinctions are like some zoos have animals that don't even know they're in captivity, like you know, right. two cans or something. But the other because whales are so intelligent and social. The other thing is like when I go to a zoo, they don't make the lions get up and start dancing. <laughs> you know what I mean? <laughs> like, I mean, part of it. Like I agree about the captivity part, but the thing that seems especially cruel about SeaWorld is that they force them to dance every hour, <laughs> and, and that's like that's a cruel fate for a majestic beast it's bad enough you pluck me from my habitat and, and put me in captivity but now i gotta dance like an idiot every hour you know that's the extra cruelty i think <laughs> right, All right. Jesse, are your kids into zoos jesse no no not at all okay. i've been to the zoo like twice and, and i feel i do feel weird about the zoo i do i, do, I, do, I think it's it, it I, think is I have some moral the, issues with it the pools I, because in the pools, they don't have their natural. There's no other fish around them. They don't have their natural habitat. There's no bottom of the ocean. There's that is different than than like you said, Jesse. A lion, a lion may not know he's not in the wild. I don't know. They've got hunting instincts that they can't do. They've yeah. they they. I mean, a, a small local zoo is a bad life for a animal that should be free range. I, I will say this. I have no. I have. I'm not in any way informed about this. But some of those, like, I think, I think some of these, this is a hot take. It's probably going to get me in trouble. I think some of these zoos, I think the animals are like, dude, I got it super chill. Like out there on the Serengeti, I'm worried every night about trying to get a gazelle or, you know, but, but here, man, I don't, I don't work for anything. I chill out all day and they throw me a carcass, uh, at, at dinner. You know, I don't know. I think I'm not, I'm not defending that. I'm just saying some of those animals look pretty chilled out. I, as a research institution 
and stuff. I think it's great for us to learn, you know, I mean, I think it's a valid field and stuff, but just as an, an entertainment destination, zoos kind of creep me out. I mean, a really nice one, San Diego, or even like kind of next generation ones. Like there's a theme park called animal kingdom down at Disney, where it's like a free, it's really free range safari type stuff. And it's, you know, incredible medical care for the animals. Like, okay, fine. Great. You know, but like, cage them up in a little cage and like, you know, Boise. I don't know. It's just, I, I think feel about bad this for that And I may have even like discussed writing something about this for the magazine at some point is I could see zoos being one of those things that like our grandkids look back on is like, oh yeah, grandma and grandpa used to go to these crazy things called zoos where they would just lock up animals all day. Like it would be one of those things that we, none of us consider to be immoral, but future generations could look back and be like, yeah. glad thing, God, those things are gone. Yeah, I agree. Like it'll, I think it'll fall out of favor like the circus did. You know, you it's do like, really? I, I do. I think it'll just like t- taste will evolve. I think, I think in the internet era, I think in the global economy, the ease of experience, you know, having variety of experiences, I think there will be some, the best cream of the crop, you know, research institution zoos will live on. But I think the, the local zoo will fall out of favor. I mean, even here in central Florida, there's a local zoo that's been around forever and it's just like, Oh wait, people that exists still. Yeah. You know, I mean, like it's—is it I just like think, crocodiles and snakes? Oh, we have Gatorland. That's separate. Yeah. Gatorland is a whole other thing. Um, yeah. No, the zoo Where, is just like your me, typical sad local zoo. I feel like you the, know, the main part of it is the snake. The snake part, though, they do have like a whole exhibit with snakes. Yeah, lock yeah. those guys yeah. up. Yeah. Terrariums. Anyway, I, got, I got no beef. I got, I got, I got no beef with terrariums. They don't because know the they, difference. Because they don't have a soul. But, but like, there's right, like an right. orangutan <laughs> in my local zoo, and I can't tell if he's like, he's like, dude, I hit the lottery, man. All I do, they gave me a hammock, which I don't have in the jungle, and I got a burlap blanket that I that I can use that at my disposal. I don't have that in the jungle, and I don't have to. I literally have to work for nothing. I chill out in a hammock all day. I can't tell. I will say when I look in his eyes, they look empty and very, very sad but i can't read the mind of an orangutan yet we don't have the technology how many planet of the apes movies do they need to make before we realize what we're doing here like they've been warning us since the 60s about charlton heston kicked it all off obviously and now i think there's james frank i don't know what the most recent planet of the Apes movies are about but they but they're telling us that your orangutan friend he's not he's not chill he's plotting he's putting together a plan and it involves you jesse <laughs> I, I, well, I think I think they might be plotting. They might be like, "Man, we could take over humanity," or I could like relax in this hammock for a while, which no other orangutans in the wild get to do, and it's right. pretty great. Like hammocks have not made it to the jungle yet. You know, I don't know. I don't know. Like I said, I can't read his mind. I, I don't. You know, who am I? If we plucked him out in, in, in back into the jungle, he'd probably be like, "Man, I had it made in the shade, literally at the zoo." You should have seen it. <laughs> In some ways, has the ape uprising already begun? Because they've like we're the we're bringing them food. We like clean no, their yeah, houses. Exactly, that's what I'm saying. If 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 you like repatriated him to the to the, the jungle, he'd be like, dude, I, I lived basically in the animal kingdom version of a gated community. It was fantastic. <laughs> I had Uber right? Eats bring me stuff every night. Uh, you know, I had all these people walking by for entertainment. That's why I think about putting the whales back in the wild. You're like, you're gonna raise them in this. Oh, they pool. can't go back they I know, and, right, you know they why? can't because they, you can't they, they throw them out them, the ocean they strip them of all like if they get into like a conflict out in the wild now you know they used to they're killer whales they used to fight it out now they try to solve it like west side story and dance fight it out <laughs> because that's the only combat skill they know is the art right. of dance right so we have to keep them that's, that's my thing about sea world let's keep it 
Let's keep it so we can see these, you know, like San Antonio has five orcas. Let's let's don't put them out to sea. Let's just let's be do friends the humane with them. thing. Let's do the humane thing. And Fish just fry. Keep, oh, my gosh. You're a monster. Orca burgers. I mean, you can see. Oh, fish. Meat fish. That's awful. We're 15 minutes on this podcast. We've taken down musicals, zoos, SeaWorld. We've, we've covered soul, a lot of territory. You take it down my soul I think, I think as well. We can wrap it up. I stand Mother by Asparagus is not thrilled. I just want, I, 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 in all seriousness, any any listeners that were offended by anything that was said, I seriously, I apologize for nothing. <laughs> nothing. <laughs> my email is Cameron at relevant. <laughs> um, yeah, Eddie would have taken you to task on every one of those. We miss you, Eddie Koffold. Uh, hey, we have a great show in store for you today. Coming up later, we talk to one of our heroes, one of our friends, Christine Kane, is joining Yay. us. I'm sure she's thrilled um, to be on the We Hate yeah. Musicals po- podcast episode. <laughs> <laughs> She's like, great. She's leading a generation to the Lord, leading movements, freeing slaves, leading a movement of women, you know, preaching to the masses, leading people to Jesus. And she's stuck on our show after our takedown of local zoos. So sorry about that. Cameron, we got to, we, we, you know, we, Cameron and I were at Catalyst and we, we hung out with Christine for a while. And I've never hung out with her in person. You usually, my interactions with her are in the context of, you know, it's kind of. Yeah, or yeah, interviews or whatever. She's like the most chill person ever. Like, Isn't I guess awesome? she would have. Whoa, 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 whoa. Yeah. Most chill and also the most energetic and passionate and driven and focused person ever. You yeah. Know? Well, I, I just mean like with her like schedule and like, hey, let's talk about whatever, literally whatever you want to talk about. Like, yeah, I don't know. know what portion of the conversation you're going to hear, but Jesse, when we were at uh, Callus Conference last week, Jesse got the opportunity to interview a number of the speakers. And I mean, he was talking to everybody from Andy Stanley to Christine Kane to, uh, uh, down the list. I mean, there's yeah. a whole bunch of people. Um, uh, uh, Devon Franklin and, and others. And uh, and so when he was interviewing Christine, um, we had just done Impact Week and we supported A21 on one of the days. And um, I, you know, it'd been forever since I'd seen her in person. So I wanted to crash his interview and say hi to her. And so they were, well, you guys were in there for what, 10, 15 minutes? Yeah. yeah. And then, you know, I just want to pop in and say hi. And we ended up all talking for another 45 minutes or something. Yeah. I don't know what, and when the recording was going and it was just, and it, it was just a very uh, encouraging and challenging and kind of like, let's go change the world. God's going doing a new thing, kind of inspirational conversation. And I don't know if part, part of that's going to make it onto the show today, but I hope you'll hear some of what we experienced. It yeah. was, uh, can I, um, another funny interview moment. And I, I, I don't think there's, I think I can say this. It, it, I don't know that it was, it didn't, my recorder was going. So it was, you know, it seemed like it was on the record, but I interviewed mm-hmm. Andy Stanley, best-selling author, um, you, you know, prominent pastor, really influential guy. And he's written a One couple of the most influential for pastors in America. He'd be up there at the Rick Warrens, the Craig Rochelle's. Yeah. Yeah. He's not criticized. He leads, he inspires. He's, He's one I mean, of the, he is criticized well, sometimes. Oh, well, that's <laughs> well, well, Jesse's point. Well, so, so he's written a couple things for us recently. And, you know, he, so, so he, um, uh, for a little bit more context, you know, there was, uh, uh, you know, some Christian media outlets were calling him out for a sermon and some quotes in a sermon that they were kind of taking out of context. And he wanted to set the record straight. So he did an interview with us about it for the site. Um, and then we we recently did some stuff, uh, ran some stuff uh, that he wrote. Um, you know, he's got a, a new book coming out. And uh, again, he's kind of taken some criticism because of the stuff that he said and wrote for us. And so, um, but to our audience, 
it's relatively non-controversial things. But I think some of his uh, typical readers may be a little bit more theologically conservative in, in, you know, their, their ideas. Anyway, so we go in. I've never met him in person. You know, shake hands. We sit at this table. Have you interviewed uh, him before, Jesse? Yeah, I've interviewed him before. But, um, you know, this is, you know, we're kind of hanging out in his green room. And he's like, I'd like you to I'd like to read you a tweet before we get started. And I was like, sure, whatever. And he pulls out his phone and he's like, <laughs> and he reads it. He says, at Andy Stanley, please. And I'm paraphrasing, but it basically it, he said, it, he goes, this is the tweet at Andy Stanley. Please repent for continually talking to a lukewarm, effeminate magazine. <laughs> That's going on the masthead. Yeah. Um. <laughs> <laughs> well, what? I don't see why effeminate is, is an insult. Like, right, you, you right. know, like it, it's just, you know, who cares? Um, the, the other thing is like, um, I like that he started. The- <laughs> I was like, he was like, yeah. So I got that hate tweet after I did that stuff with you guys. And I was like, Andy, I have heard so so much worse that that is basically a compliment that i almost take that as a compliment lukewarm thing. but he was super cool he was you know i don't think he was expecting the blowback he got for you know i again i don't think we're all that controversial um and lukewarm is such a weird thing to say about like a media outlet right. you know what i mean like how do they gauge that but you know, compared right. to some of the like the, the like <laughs> accusations of outright heresy that we get, oh, I don't know, a thousand times a day. Uh, lukewarm is pretty. Uh, I'll take that, lukewarm. That's, that's I'll take lukewarm. Back. Yeah. yeah it's a- well, it's because on one end of the spectrum we have Annie F. Downs on our podcast, yeah. and that brings sure. up the 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 heat level. Yeah. And then noted, on the other end of the spectrum we have we have Annie F. Downs, we have Chandler Strang, <laughs> which brings down the heat level. So, and so the meaning, the median is we're right there in the lukewarm middle. Yeah, you got, you got Annie coming in uh, as, as hot as you can be with her theological takes. And then you have <laughs> us giving some very controversial views about domesticating killer whales and, right. <laughs> you know, training them in the art of dance, which I will concede brings it down a little bit. I don't know if it's enough that we would be spit out of the mouth of God, uh, sure, like the sure. lukewarm implies. But. And I'd probably I think bring up fair. the effeminate part too, to be fair. Yeah, I mean, true. I don't oh, know yeah. what else it would be, Annie. There's not a lot of people list, looking at the relevant mass and being like, this is just too effeminate for my taste. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> too many women. Like, even if he said that uh, 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 over uh, like a masculine, um, uh, a uh, 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 lukewarm magazine, I would be like, I, I, again, like, is that is that an insult or is just that's just like that an insult, observation right? about the tone? Right. I I don't know. I mean, I don't know Foolish what they want from us. Criticisms. This well, says a lot more about you than it does about the thing you're criticizing. I've heard that, cri- and to be fair, I've heard that criticism a lot ever since we um uh pulled the uh weightlifting demonstrations uh full page posters <laughs> yeah. from every issue um That's right. you, you know people have said you've gone soft literally so <laughs> they're expensive and uh, i don't know why we did them in the first place but we did a lot of weightlifting <laughs> spreads so fair f- fair point andy stanley critic <laughs> i mean it- Jesse, the reason why we were doing so much weightlifting is we wanted to inspire a generation of leaders like Stephen Furtick and Craig Rochelle to really get yoked and get jacked up. And you really and, did it. And, yeah. it, and we did. I mean, we've changed Christianity. I mean, and now we're going, look at now we're going more effeminate. Yeah. Now we're trying to raise up, you know, 
different. <laughs> Mo- this is going to go so I remember. Who could forget our uh, double cover with uh, Furtick and Stanley called Arms and Back? Um, and it was, I mean, it was literally, most of it was curls. Most of it was yeah. different arm curl techniques. But we had tries, you know. Last, I mean, for a solid eight plats. years in the magazine, instead of last word, that final column, we had uh, workout tips for that month. So it was like yeah. leg day. And it was yeah. like the illustrations yeah. of various squats and things to do mm-hmm. to get your thighs nice and thick. I kind of wish you that know. was true. I wish I'd have done that for a season. That's kind of funny. <laughs> do you do do you know that Breakaway Magazine, Focus on the Family's uh, oh. much missed uh, like teen boy magazine? Is it not that back? Because the girl one no, is Brio, back. Brio, Brio, Brio is back, but Breakaway you know, sexism in America, ladies and gentlemen. Welcome to 2018. <laughs> Thanks, Holly Weird. <laughs> but Breakaway used to have like they would have a workout tips thing every issue. They would have workout tips. Yeah, they would like one page out of their like twelve page magazine monthly magazine. Always had like some some poor like pimple faced fourteen year old kid who was brought in to pretend like he knew how to do like broom squats or something like that. <laughs> yeah. You know what we need to do? We need spirit, mind, fundraiser. and body. I mean, Jesse and I went to a university that had in its actual accredited accredited yeah. curriculum spirit, mind, and body, and so we had we had to take spiritual uh, growth classes, Bible classes. We had to obviously do your academia, and then we were graded on physical fitness in our yeah. university. Yeah. Oh, yeah, so, measurable, yeah. and we Happened had to take. Too. I, yeah, I mean, I ha- I took a badminton and a mountain biking course. Um, the I took weightlifting and golf. <laughs> those, those <laughs> Wait, my- and you got graded on your mountain biking? Yeah, yeah. How? Like, did did he make it back? That's a pass or fail. That feels like a pass or fail. <laughs> no, literally, class. it was a particular. Like, well, here's the thing. <laughs> like, it was it was the honor system. Uh, like, you had to go ride mountain bikes once a week on this like these trails. But then you had the final was a three day uh, like a three day two night mountain biking camping trip. Um, that you know, I don't know some obscene amount of mileage. And the idea is, if you're riding once a week, it's no big deal. But of course, I had not and just thought I'm just gonna gut it out on the trip and nearly died. Like <laughs> that feels me, really true. Of it was me and my buddy Rob. My buddy Rob Fouch totally blew it off. One night they had to send a truck, like a pickup truck, from in town to go look through the mountains. They eventually found him. He was hiking down a dirt road trying to cheat his way to a hitchhike uh, back to camp and got lost. He didn't but pass that class. Uh, we, we, we ended up, um, uh, skating by with our, with our charm. Um, but, um, <laughs> what I was going to say is, you know, it would be a good idea that I think a lot would raise a lot of money is a arm wrestling tournament with a lot of these, you know, you got Furtick, Groeschel, <laughs> Carl Lentz. No, no, no. Who, who, Carl, <laughs> Carl's live. Rich Wilkerson will want to get in on that yeah, too. But you know, he will. they're not, I mean, you cannot go up against Groeschel and Furtick. I mean, they're going to. I mean, you're basically talking about the next generation power team. John Jacobs and the power team. That's what you're. <laughs> that's what you're advocating oh, man. for. I wish that Groeschel, was true. Groeschel is getting to power team territory. Groeschel quickly. could rip a phone book in half. That's what. Yeah. That was always the big, the big, you know, reveal at the end of the power team session was they would yeah. rip the local phone book. That and just and, like and God, exploding. Yeah. <laughs> 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 
It's true. This is what your sin does to you. Raise you. Do you with remember? God. Do you, okay. Did y'all ever see the power team live and in person? This is. Yes. I, did. I saw the power team. For those of you who don't know, it's eighties and nineties. They would do that 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 uh, ice block stack. Remember, like super yeah. thick yes. slabs mm-hmm. of ice, and they would stack them up like. 15 feet in the air and they get up on the top and they'd have a little towel on the top and then they would headbutt the stack of ice and it would collapse. Remember just the way like yeah. God ripped the veil uh, after the crucifixion. Yeah. They do that concrete that, as well. That was always their gimmick was the Bible tie. I mean, I think power teams still exist, don't they? They're still doing it. It's, it's kind of like when you see like the OJs performing at a casino, everybody's yeah. under 50 except one old guy. You're not the OJs. I mean, if you weren't alive in the sixties, you're not the OJs. You're not the real power team is all I'm saying. John Jacobs. Wait, so you only call the power team the first generation of Muscle guys. That's the only one that's the John power team. Jacobs and, and those and those original guys. Everybody else are basically Craig Groeschel. I don't think it's. Well, that's it's, not. I, I, I'm going to disagree with you because your Orlando Magic getting the original five people that were on the court and they're still your Orlando Magic. Oh, so you're likening it to a franchise team. Interesting. But but, but that's not how. So but I mean like the Newsboys. It's it, uh, uh, Newsboys United. They're called now. Here's the thing: all the guys. If, are back. if there if there are no original, if there's not an original Newsboy, are they still the Newsboys? It's like uh, uh, the. Have you heard the the thought experiment? Like uh, the sh- I think it's called the ship of Theseus, where if you mm-hmm. had like a ship out in the water and you were replacing it board by board while it was at sea. You know, at what point does it become a different ship or is it still the same ship, even though all the parts are different at some point? It's the same as like the bioethics thing, Jesse, of like uh, if we can create with 3D printing human flesh biomatter and you replace the ear and you fix all the things and you put a new and you just (laughs) make a new human, you know, at what point are we human? Yeah. Um, At what point are you a boat? And yeah. I think that, and I think that's the what Christian ethicists. I don't know why they are, you know, intentionally ignoring an important issue. Like, can we even still ethically call them the newsboys? <laughs> you know, I mean, it seems like it seems like Francis Collins and the Biologos people would have answered yeah. this by now, right? But right. I don't, I, you know, this kind of. I feel, I feel like this. A lot of the churches sleep on the wheel at this one, and uh, yet people are paying money to go see the newsboys, uh, but it's literally not. none of them were a newsboy. It's like going to a Broadway show and then the famous person's on the billboard and then you get there and it's not the famous person. It's, oh, in this performance, it's going to be the guy from I'm a huge... There's nothing I think is more unethical than understudies. I mean, they are they're horrible humans. I think this is so funny when you are fine with it when sports teams keep their name and because change they don't players. Claim, they don't claim to be the 96 Orlando yeah. Magic. You know? I know, right. but the power team isn't claiming to be the 96 power team either. They're right. just the power team. She makes a valid point with the power team thing. It's different than Newsboys. Newsboys is a product uh, derived from you know these five individuals making music. They're a Newsboys cover band at this point. You're right, right, right. Yeah, the OJs. But now they're oh. all back, right? Are there, any, the are there any original Newsboys or... I guess at some point, every newsboy must become a newsman. Right. <laughs> <laughs> Audio adrenaline is the same. Newsman. They swap things out, don't they? Yeah. For a while, DC Talk newsboys and Audio Adrenaline were shifting members. It was like Gossip Girl. Everybody was like changing yeah. <laughs> commitments all the time. <laughs> yeah, like, I guess what? I'm they were just a big in- interchangeable band, you know? I'm going to make an NBA anal- analogy. Let's see if I can do it. Uh-huh. You mean it's just like uh, the uh, the Miami Heat and the LA Lakers and the Cleveland Cavs. Cavaliers? Yeah. yeah, good job. That's good. But the, but the teams, I, mean, I had like the teams right, team, right? Yeah, you're right. That trade players around a lot. They do. 
Yeah, that's right. Different, different roster every two years. It just, it just outside of Christian music, I don't know that happens really. In I think it's ex, there's an expectation mm-hmm. if I see a band, the band is comprised of these members. It's not like right. sports franchises that arbitrarily, you know. I, don't, tri- I think the old rockers and the old Motown ones, you know, the Grateful Deads and the guys yeah. that they're still out there touring some sort of nostalgia circuit. I think there's a lot of interchangeable parts. I'm looking at I'm look I'm on the Newsboys. Um, Wikipedia page. There, okay. um, do you know when they were formed? This is this is kind of impressive that they're 1981. Let's say oh. 80s. Yeah, yeah, I'd say 85. I don't say 81. 85. I think it's 85. Yeah, there you go. Yeah, yeah. that's a right that's down. a pretty long run. Yeah, even but, if it's not the original members. Yeah, Sean Taylor, John James, Peter Furler, and George Perdiccas. Furler was huh. the front man. Right. Yeah, and none of them are original. None of them are original currently. So to me, they're Newsboys cover band. Wow, I'm sorry. none of them are original. <laughs> What's interesting is that like guy like bands like Newsboys and Audio Adrenaline took the strategy of swapping out players to keep the brand yeah. going. But and like Petra tried that. They swapped out, you know, the main singer. Long time. But right, but then they kind of went away. You know, it's like yeah. you would think they would it's just a brand at that point. You could just kind of keep swapping out for the Stay current. It's yeah. something that like like Radiohead is not going to start swapping evolve. out members when they decide to hang it up. Yeah, it's like just Billy Corgan's not going to like. Yeah, Billy Corgan's not going to suddenly be a part of Radiohead, and Tom York isn't going to sing for the Smashing Pumpkins. It just doesn't work like that with you know nineties real music. Rock. Yeah. Right. You're right. You're right. All right. Well, moving the show along, it is time for our look back at what happened in culture and entertainment. It's time for. In case you missed it. Hey, in case you missed it, this week uh, a Banksy painting. Uh, was sold at auction in London at Sotheby's. And uh, after it was sold for a million pounds, which is $1.4 million, uh, the painting self-destructed. So the um, the anonymous street artist, iconic 2006 painting, Girl with a Balloon, uh, was sold. And after the gavel dropped for the final sale, um, it, it was on the wall, hanging on the wall. And 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 in the frame, the, the painting started to slide down. And the bottom part of the frame was a shredder. And it started to it shred amazing. in front of everybody's eyes. Um, the video was posted on Instagram by Banksy. Uh, there was stunned auction goers that gasped as it was being destroyed. And in the caption, he quoted Picasso saying, the urge to destroy is also a creative urge. Um, Sotheby's released a statement claiming they had no idea about the stunt and were in no way in on it. But there's a lot of speculation that the partially shredded painting will now be worth even more because of the stunt's notoriety. And I read a takedown that says there's no way that Sotheby's was not in I, on it. because I, I saw that too. When art is oh, really? auctioned off at Sotheby's, it is put in front of the room on an easel. This was conspicuously was left on the wall, on the side wall. Uh, two, there's no way whoever hung it on that wall would not have noticed a me- mechanical device in the frame or the weight of the frame being significantly different. You know, and it just everything about it just doesn't pass the smell test. It's probably it's, more valuable now that this right, happened. Seven, you know yeah. what I, mean? Well, I mean, a few things. Number one, Banksy, you know... Pr- probably co- coordinated with them the yeah. stunt they were in on it because it would be famous it would become a moment in the art world right and it would be worth a lot more and so i just think the whole thing was just a gimmick but you know whatever but but i mean but that's sort of banksy's thing too is blurring a line between what's reality and what's not i mean like if you did you guys saw exit through the gift shop back in the day I did. Um, mm-hmm. with, with yeah. a purported documentary that told sort of this kind of history of street art you know through the 
perspective of, you know, Banksy and Shepard Ferry and a lot of, you know, kind of the guys from that era, but also told a parallel story of this guy who, you know, is friends with all of them and becomes basically sort of a fraudulent street art star himself. But after it was released, people speculated, well, is this guy even real or is this scripted? And that was sort of the point, too, is like, does it even matter what's real and what's staged if it has the same impact, you know? Yeah. It's fascinating. It's sort of meta commentary on it and so, uh, uh, on the on the art thing itself. Like if does it matter if it's a gimmick or if it's real, if it elicited the reaction we were going for, you know, because isn't everything sort of a gimmick. So, I mean, there's even that kind of meta commentary there built in. I mean, that's the, that's stunt. the meta commentary that I take when I watch my reality TV marathons every yeah. night. You yeah. know, it's like <laughs> is it fake or is it real? I don't care. I'm entertained, you know? Yeah. Does it even matter? Yeah. I do feel the same way sometimes, Cameron. Does it even matter that not one original newsboy uh, is in the newsboys? I I still, when I hear Breakfast in Hell, I'm still rocking. Does it not matter that not one original, hardly New York housewife is still there? Cameron will still watch. Does it matter matter that none of them are housewives? You know, I mean, (laughs) I don't care. As long as there's drama. Yeah. We're good. Okay. As long as someone gets a mimosa thrown in their face at a contentious brunch, I'm in. I am right? in. Does it matter that or Captain not. America isn't going to be an Avenger after the next Avengers movie? We're going to have to have a whole new crew. Yeah. Yes. I don't even know what that means. What are you talking about? What? Black Panther's world now. <laughs> what does that even mean? What are you talking about? I know. I was like, tell us more. I had, to, like- I had to jump on this train somewhere. Yeah, that's right. right. That's I, don't, true. I don't really, I don't what, really follow that. Every what happened their, with Captain America? Everyone brought their area of expertise in that that's conversation. Right. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> what, what happened What happened with Captain America? Well, the, the speculate Chris Evans, uh, who plays Captain America in the Marvel franchise, posted a cryptic tweet hinting that he was he had just wrapped the next Avengers movie and it would be his last one. Uh, I know. I saw Relevant cover that. Relevant was very sad and upset. I, didn't, I had nothing to do with that. <laughs> I know you that weren't. You were off my, that day. That was not my piece. I'm saying relevant. The brand is very upset about the superheroes passing on or something. I don't well, know. Well, I will say it's that the significance is, you know, there the the speculation is all like a lot of the original ones, like Captain America and Iron Man and all of them are going away, so that uh, you know Chadwick Boseman and Brie Larson can now take the reins as like the you know they're trying to diversify their marquee stars for, for, you know, that, that would be my speculation is that, uh, like Chadwick Boseman and Brie Larson will kind of be the Robert Downey Jr. And Chris Evans of like the next 10 years yeah, of yeah. these movies. It, it basically like, it's no longer going to be a franchise like led by like white dudes. You know what I mean? Like, good. Uh, yeah. That that's sort very, of the implication. Yeah, I think it's yeah. a cool thing. Speaking of white dudes, in case you missed it, Narnia <laughs> is headed to Netflix. Uh, <laughs> uh, that's a good That's a good transition. Well done. (laughs) The platform has struck a deal to make uh, new movies and episodic programming based on the classic Christian fantasy novels from C.S. Lewis. Um, C.S. Lewis's grandson, Douglas Gresham, who helps oversee the Chronicles of Narnia franchise, said advances in production and distribution technology have made it possible for us to make Narnian adventures come to life all over the world. Netflix seems to be the very best medium with which to achieve this aim. There's no word yet on a release date. What do we feel about this? 
I, I, this is I'm, like the I'm, canon. This is like sacred, you know, text. Yes. I know. Is, I know. It, I mean, is of, it sacred? Why is it more sacred than, I mean, did you feel that when they made the movie? I felt like, okay, so my mom raised me on these books. Like I had, like these were the bedtime stories, you know, like she really loved them. And so like, there's something I revere about the books. Like, and then, and so it pains me when like they're done, the movies are done poorly or it's cheesy graphics or it's like, whatever. It's like, oh man, we could have done better, you know? Um, so like, I don't know. Like, do we, do we try trust Netflix and this production team that's being assembled to do it the way that, you know, you would yeah. hope it. Yeah, I'm judgment until we know more. Right. Because right, right now, all we know is that it's happening and Netflix... And we haven't seen Netflix screw it up with a book to movie or book to series, have we? I, I, I think the spectrum a, is pretty broad. Like, some of them are really good. That's or, my thing. Is like, yeah. they just sign these huge deals and they'll give a chunk of change to, like, Adam Sandler or whatever, and then they'll, like put out a movie that's kind of half-baked sometimes, you know? It's a lot like, of movies that are half-baked. Half because, baked, like, yeah. what is the... Other than... Okay, so I'm trying to think of, like, high-concept stuff that's really well executed. Like, so for... No matter what you think of, like, the franchise, I think most people would say, like, the quality of something like Game of Thrones is, like, incredibly high, you know? Mm-hmm. Just from production value and, you know, kind of everything they put into it. But I don't know that Netflix has an equivalent of that. Like they keep trying to position themselves Stranger as things. a prestige outlet. Yeah, Stranger Things is literally yeah. the only one. And I Maniac mean, was pretty, pretty high quality. That new, Jonah but, but it's Hill not that episode. accessible. I no, mean, pe- the big complaint is like you know, but people are going to get turned off. Yeah. So I don't know. I mean, I'm. I'm I mean, like that, the enough. question is like, are they going to go Kitty, <laughs> kind of like the the Walden Media version, or are they going to go like Game of Thrones and dark and cinematic? Yeah, I mean, well, they're kids' they're, stories, so I'd hope they I know, maintained but, it, that spirit of it. Well, but they get darker later in yeah, the they franchise. They kind of grow up. Yeah. Yeah. The Why the Witch in the World Drove is pretty Kitty, but it, well, that's what, what I'm saying. Are they going Harry Potter with it? Yeah. It's still a kids' movie, but it's got a real dark and light sort of tension to it. Yeah. Are they I, I go love like, the idea of them creating it based on the work of C.S. Lewis has already done. What will not work for me is if they do what Harry Potter has done and gone beyond the original writing, right? And gone beyond what C.S. Lewis actually did. The Narnia Cinematic did. Universe type things. Right, right. That will be problematic to me. I, I like the idea of getting more minds around creating the art uh, around these books because the books are so classic. You're not going to ruin the book by making a bad movie about it. It'll just, the movie will disappear into the world and we'll still have an incredibly good books. So yeah, I think it'll be interesting. I'm down. Well, I heard one of, I heard one of the projects is Mr. Tumnus wanders through the wardrobe back and he can't get back. And it's yeah. kind of an odd couple type of situation. We got Mr. Tom, Mr. Tumnus <laughs> rooming with just some guy in London and they get in all kind of wacky no, adventures. No, no, no. I can't Don't wait. you remember? I can't no, wait. he, he wanders back and he ends up befriending Winston Churchill because of the, uh, the <laughs> air raids. And then he's yeah, the one who leads the D-Day invasion. Tumnus yeah. crosses the river. I mean, it's, yeah. it's an yeah, amazing storm, thing. The, the, the scene where Mr. Tumnus storms Normandy. It, yeah. uh, <laughs> it's, it, with Reaper Cheap. He's got to take the mouse. He's got to take Reaper Cheap with him. I, 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 that was a movie, that Churchill movie was a movie What just like I knew I should see it, but I almost fell asleep in the trailer. Like, yeah. so Mr. Tumnus played by Steve Coogan. Uh, Gary Oldman returning as Winston Churchill for uh, for a series of wackadoo adventures across <laughs> World War II era, Great Britain and beyond. And, uh, I'm in. I am in. <laughs> yeah, the books are important. The Come books are important to me. I have a I have like a Narnia tattoo. I really care about these books. I when we posted Wait, this, will you talk the about site. your Narnia tattoo? What does it look like? 
I have I have Reaper Cheap on my arm. He he has uh, Aslan shoulder to shoulder all over the map. The The entire it's the whole map of the entire country. And a few a few select passages. The entire I have the ship. I have I have Prince Caspian ship, but it's being rebuilt mid sea, and you don't know is it really still Prince Caspian ship? It's a big mystery. (laughs) You know, it's a big ethical quandary. (laughs) I I think it'll be. People are I think rightfully sort of skeptical. I understand the skepticism, but until we know more about. The writers involved and the directors involved. I, I don't think there's any. There's only so much we can guess about it. I do like the idea, which they're apparently. Uh, I've heard people talk about this, but it hasn't really happened before, of making it sort of a hybrid movie TV show thing where you yeah, use yeah, yeah. both. And I think that is a format that I'd like to see more stories play with uh, to like bring the microscope in a little bit for smaller moments with some shorter, more episodic type things. And then being able to pull it out when the source material lends it to more of a cinematic, uh, timestamp. Well, in case you missed it, Jeff Bridges, uh, told, uh, Stephen Colbert about the coolest priest he ever met. The legendary actor plays a man posing as a priest in a new movie called bad times at the El Royale. When discussing the role on the late show this week, he told uh, Colbert about his time in the military when a drill sergeant offered him the choice to train or to go to church, and it proved to be moving. Here's a clip. Who wants to go to church? You either going to church today or going on the grinder and high potent rifles. So everybody raised their hand and go to church. And the first thing this priest says to me, or to all of us, he says, when you're here, you are not in the military. You are in the house of the Lord. Woo-hoo! That really got me. I said, "Yeah, thank you, man." And I took him up on it. I said, "Oh, that just everything just like." And this guy, Don Harris, was his name, yeah. and he uh, was such a cool guy. Let me play guitar and all this stuff on the you know different services. Guitar mass. Yeah, right. Yeah, open the thing with some guitar, some Dylan or something. Yeah, so it turns out that uh, Jeff Bridges became such good friends with the priest that years later he asked him to officiate his wedding to uh, his wife Susan, and the couple has now been married for more than. 40 years. So oh, Jeff Bridges, cool ladies and gentlemen. Cool. Jeff Bridges makes hanging out with anyone sound awesome. Like a military (laughs) priest, like someone who's like probably, you know, like if you're like, who's probably, probably a good dude, but probably not the most fun a military priest. And he's like, no, man, the house of God. My mind was blown and we played Bob Dylan together and he married me. It's like, man, Jeff Bridges literally makes anyone sound cool. You know, that's like, I did some time in prison in the prison chaplain. We partied, man. It's like, oh, you can make anyone sound awesome, Jeff Bridges. <laughs> hey, uh, in case you missed it, Steve Carell is teaming back up with Jon Stewart for a new political satire. Uh, Jon Stewart stepping behind the camera once again after making his directorial debut with the film Rosewater back in 2014. This time he's recruited former Daily Show correspondent Steve Carell to start a new comedy. So far, no details have been released, but Stewart says it's a political satire based on an original idea, not a true story like his previous film. So I'm all I'm here for that. I'm all for mm-hmm. it. I, mm-hmm. Like those guys. I, I, I wonder, you know, it's been so like when when Stewart, John Stewart left The Daily Show, I thought it was because he was going to like really like embrace filmmaking. But it just seems like it's weird that it's been like four years since he's made a film. I mean, I'm hopeful because Steve Carell, Steve Carell doesn't choose bad projects these days. Like he's right. in, especially the movies that he's got uh, like Beautiful Boy and Welcome to Marwin. Like they look incredible. So, I mean, that gives me hope. But it is kind of weird that it's taken a while for John Stewart to do another project. You know, I, I think I mean, I. 
Yeah, I agree with you. I, I thought we would see his voice appear. I mean, he was, you know, he made an appearance on that LeBron James, you know, barbershop yeah. talk show thing. And, you know, and he's, you know, it takes a long time to do a film, you know, so he might be in writing and prepping and whatever. But it's like, I wish in this era we had a voice like Jon Stewart more in in the mix, yeah. you know? Um, sure. It, 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 not, and I don't mean that politically. I just like, I just, I don't mean that to say like, I'm not talking partisan here. I'm just saying like, I think like having a myriad of voices that can help hold power accountable and can do it in ways that's engaging and thoughtful and stuff. I feel like, especially now we, we need that. And there's not, there's really no, I mean, Trevor Noah is great in his own way. I was going to say, you don't feel like he steps into that role. I just feel like the fact that he's an outsider on the inside. I mean, he's not, not a, you know, a born American, you know, he's coming like, I just feel like there's this like insider, Ness missing that um, Trevor oh, brings true. an outside perspective to the conversation, which is and, helpful. And so does John Oliver. And so does know? John Oliver. Absolutely. Yeah. And now, and, and like John Oliver is now an American citizen, but I mean, I, I just feel like there's like this American <laughs> self awareness or accountability that we're kind of lacking right now. And I don't know. Samantha B is doing great. I mean, but again, it's not like the same kind of sharp political accountability that, yeah, I think you brought. hit the nail on the head by calling saying what Stewart did was hold power accountable because he did that very, uh, I think, not ve- not always, but often very fairly. And I think a lot of people who tried to copy John Stewart sort of misread his brand as just being the funny guy who uh, makes fun of conservative politics a lot, which wasn't really what John Stewart did when no. he was at his best. And we don't it really have a voice other than he, Colbert, but Colbert's um, doing a late night show. You know, he's not doing yeah. a political show anymore, thought, so he doesn't get into it as much. I thought what Stewart did masterfully was point out hypocrisy, you know, like whether it be on the right or left, uh, you know, uh, he would show clips of, you know, you, you, you contradicting yourself and like, yeah. it, you know, he, he, again, he hold power accountable media, power in media, he held accountable, uh, power in politic- politics, he held accountable. And I agree with you that if you actually look at what he covered, he was very f- thoughtful and fair. Um, where somebody like maybe like a Bill Maher, you can dismiss as just being like a one, one-sided one yeah. perspective where you actually felt like Jon Stewart, uh, you know, kind of towed the line a little better than... He than sure did like, way he, better than Bill Maher does, uh, yeah. for sure. Well, the... the, the, the Bill Maher, man, is so disappointing sometimes in that, like, I'm I'm constantly intrigued by the guests that he has. Like, I feel like he's great at booking. He pulls ideologically cast, yeah, ideologically diverse guests. But I feel like a lot of times I watch a show and it's like huge missed opportunities, you know, because he'll have, you know, he'll have someone like. Jordan Peterson along with like someone who is like a more like liberal commentator and then someone who's right in the middle and you know, Bill Maher never challenges challenges them in a way that they should be challenged um, and you know I feel like it's a lot of missed opportunities if someone were to take that role and you know do panels with people who think differently but are able to navigate it better than him I think that would be a show that I would be interested in watching. 100%. I wonder if part of the reason Stewart sort of stalled out is because so much of his brand was based on a on holding people accountable because there was this certain idea of uh, we were all using the same vocabulary to talk about politics. And that's just not hasn't been the case 
and over the past two or three years yeah. and his uh, his brand his voice the, his platform is so unmoored from where it used to be that it, it wouldn't even be i don't think he could say anything and be viewed as the sort of fair uh, referee that he largely was through much of his time hosting the daily show. Uh, I don't know what he would say. I don't know what, frankly, almost any political satirists can say in 2018. That's really going to be heard as a, a fair and honest critique. It's really difficult. Yeah. That's what I was going to ask. Is there anybody that any of us can think of that is going to be listened to the way John Stewart would though? I don't know that real, Anybody that was really polarized left or right, listen to John Stewart, but he did seem like a more interesting voice bringing up ideas that a lot of us could ask the same question. Yeah. Is there anybody doing that right now? I don't know that there is. Besides us, obviously, our hard hitting journalism here on the podcast. <laughs> I think John Oliver, but I mean, it, the format being only weekly, being on one premium television, thing. it's yeah, one major topic, you know, yeah. it, it's like, I think it's just relegated itself to a, a niche voice, niche audience. Um, and then, you know, obviously the media landscape that's widely accessible is just completely partisan. I mean, you have yeah. your left and you have your right and that's it. And there's nobody kind of navigating this, helping people thoughtfully or critically think in the middle. And I do think Stuart's voice is missing right now. I, to your point, Tyler, honestly, I think he just got tired. I mean, he I did would. it a long yeah. time. Yeah. And and he just needed a break. And maybe that's because there to- were some times toward the end of his run where he would get like before we knew it was into his run, where he would get visibly um almost like I'm I'm over uh, having so much emotion yeah. because he felt so disturbed by what he was reporting. Yeah, he obviously like, cared very deeply. Like this wasn't a joke. To hit. He was funny about it, but he was very passionate about it. Yeah. Well, it's like after a while, it's like it, it, you're you feel like you're screaming to the abyss. Like it's like it's like nothing's getting better, nothing's changing. This is this is crazy. We're still it's it's getting worse, and it's almost like you give up. You feel powerless. I don't know that he that's what the direction he went. I just think honestly, he got tired, which would maybe speak to why he kind of just kind of went away for a few years, yeah. you know, instead of like jumping into like another thing, you know, like Bill Simmons did when he, when he left ESPN, he just kind of jumped into another lane. Yeah. I, you know, I think Stuart really just needed a break and he's letting the crazy happen and he's going to see where the dust settles. And I think he'll reemerge at some point in some way. I just, you know, I, it, you know, the landscape is just so different now. Yeah. yeah. And, and that, you know, I think that it's such an interesting analogy, even just for people, you know, maybe they might be media personalities, but how they spend their time and what they think about, you know, there's that old adage, like if you look into the abyss long enough, it starts to look back and it starts to wear you down. You that's know? a good and line like, right there, Jesse. It, it, you know what I mean? And for someone like uh, John Stewart, obviously that's his job is to, analyze and, and and expose this hypocrisy on a day-to-day basis. But I think kind of the, even the lesson for media consumers is like, look, man, if I just look at all of this toxic, difficult stuff all day, and that's only what I concern myself with, at some point it is going to wear you down and you, you know, you, you do have the defeated sense. So I think there is kind of a, a larger lesson there too of like, well, I, you know, liken that to, I mean, a lot of teachers burn out because of that. It's like, it's like always hard and always, you know, like every year, it's just like you're starting over. And I would think that would get very tiring. And then uh, a lot of pastors burn out because of that. You know, like I, I read a stat that like out of a, a hundred people graduating from seminary this year, one will retire a pastor. 
one. Oh man, that's it, brutal. That's, but, he's a military priest that hangs out with Jeff Bridges. <laughs> yeah, he's just a laid back cat. <laughs> I mean, do you know, do y'all know I used to teach elementary school? Have we talked about this before? Yes, of course. And, yeah. um, and, and you don't, the, anymore I mean, I was the stat, I made it five years and that's the like national stat is that teachers last for five years in the public school system. And there is a lot of reasons why I left. I certainly didn't leave purely out of like, I can't do this anymore, but there, I mean, there is some of this that you're talking about of like, no matter what kind of change I enact in my little world, it actually does not enact change. Yeah. It's like, I want to change the world. I'm doing something to affect hearts and minds, make a difference. I want to, I want to see things change. I think John Stewart approached his comedy show with that thoughtfulness and intentionality. Pastors approach it like that. Teachers approach it like that. People are wanting to make a difference. And it's like year after year, after year, after year, if you're not seeing that progress, it, it, it it's like, it, is this worth it? You know, like it's life draining. It, it takes so much. And if it's like, you don't get that quote unquote return on investment. You know, you don't see a fruit of your labor. Uh, I could see that it'd be very defeating. And you know, the John Stewart is human too. And I think, yeah. after- and I think this is also one of the reasons people like Andy Stanley and Craig Groeschel and Rick Warren deserve the power team. The power team, right there. I mean, so um, sometimes their rage surges so great yeah. that they can actually take a hot water bag and blow it up with lung power. Just <laughs> no, but for real, we should watch them. I mean, one of the one of the things I'm watching with them is not just how they handle day to day, but how and, and Louie and Shelley Giglio fall in this category to me too. Beth Moore, I mean, people who have done this their ministry, who are the one out of one hundred. You know, like, how do we watch their lives and go, what, what, and ask the right questions? Not like, how do you write your sermon every week? But what are you doing in the secret and where no one is seeing you that is helping you to persevere till the end of what you're called to and not give up in the middle? It is, it is the top question I'm asking people right now that are one day older than me in ministry and in life is how do we do this well for the long haul? It, I, that's exactly what we started talking to Christine Kane about. Yeah. And again, I don't know if that's going to be the segment of the, the interview here, but I, that's the thing. It's like you're running this world, literally world changing organization with A21. Uh, it's been 10 years now, so, you know, winning awards from the UN and all these countries for freeing slaves. Uh, Propel Women is by pretty much any measure the largest women's ministry going now. And, yeah. and then she is speaking a sermon on the Hillsong channel every day. So it's like a lot of these people who do like speaking to arenas and conferences, they have like three talks that they rotate. She is coming up with new material for a daily preaching show on the, on the Hillsong channel. I mean, so it's like, I'm like, how do you, how, I mean, like how they have hundreds of employees on a 21. They have hundreds of employees. I mean, like how, and she said like, uh, the thing that gets her going is at the end of the day, you know, the, the same thing that she was doing 25 years ago when she was serving the local church only was, you know, it was all about her time with the Lord every day and that the Lord was speaking to her and she was spending time in the word and in prayer and that he was the pipeline and she was obedient. And when, he, you know, she was, he was calling her to do things in the local church. She's just been obedient when he's called her to do other things. And she says the number one thing is just, 
unwavering commitment to spending time with the Lord every day and that he is my strength. He is the pipeline. And if he opens a door for me to do something, I'll do it. And if he closes a door, I'll close it too. It doesn't matter because my relationship is all that matters. And I'm like, that is easier said than done because my struggle has always been in that place. The Lord will speak something, a dream or whatever. And then my natural tendency is to kind of get my focus on the thing and like, I'll get more focus on what I'm doing for the Lord than the Lord. And then inevitably <laughs> I'll run out of gas. It'll get hard. Dude, no and joke. then in that season, the Lord gets my attention again. And da, da, da. it's a cycle throughout my year and throughout the years. And like, she's like, that's, that's why it's so pivotal for her that all that matters is her relationship with the Lord and her relationship with her family being healthy and everything else is secondary, you know? And, um, and that's how it, you know, it keeps going. And she has a supernatural energy yeah. too. If you spend any time with her, it's crazy. It is. I mean, but, she has got, it's, she's got a, a thing on her right now that makes her capable to do more than most of us. I yeah, and I've, you know, I've already got a, if I get too burned out, I've got a backup plan too, that yeah. I kind of, you know, when I go to bed at night, it's like, at least, uh, I got an offer to join the news boys. Um, that, uh, it's, <laughs> it's in the back pocket, you know, and say, I'm, I'm, uh, I'm trying to get yoked so I can be, uh, an understudy for the power team. So, <laughs> or uh, Stephen Furtick. The yeah. thing is, is if you get yoked, you've got a whole series of places yeah. you could go in the faith. Yeah. 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 <laughs> you, uh, you also need to make sure you have your scripture memorization down because you have to shout the verse that's inspiring you right before, right before yeah. the phone book. You go Colossians 412. <laughs> Second Timothy 15. That's not in verse. Who cares? Uh! I hope I hope there's a bunch of old power team videos on YouTube. I've never searched I'm, it. But yeah, I'm, sure. I'm pretty sure I've searched it. Ch- Chandler, you remember this, team. man. When we did the segment with Chop and Steel, the fake strong oh, yeah. and that prank news videos. I, yeah, I yeah. re-listened to that um, uh, uh, a few weeks ago for some reason. And I remember, you know, they got their they got inspired because they do like they love like found footage. They got the 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 characters of Chop and Steel were literally inspired by the Power Team. Like that was the That's... inspiration for that whole gag was the Power Team, inspirational strongmen. So they're out there, you know, still making a difference. Well, if we can find some YouTube videos, maybe we can do a a, a listicle on the site later this week. Oh gosh, the ten best YouTube. Dude, do you know how hard it would be to rip, real talk? You know how hard it would be to rip a phone book in half. Like, oh my I gosh, can't respect. imagine. I'm yeah. amazed. There is not a Bible verse I could say enough times today in my life to rip a part of I phone still book get, over. Hey, I, I still get, you know, stumped by uh, the wrong pickle jar, okay? Like, <laughs> that's made to be opened with bare hands, right? And also, how many youth groups are they going to go to and they start ripping a phone book and all the kids are like, what is that what thing is that? they are ripping? Oh, yeah. Yeah. You have to break a nice phone in half, yeah. which is yeah. also yeah. difficult. That's right. Hey, uh, two, two more quick ones. In case you missed it this week, uh, the first female doctor who debuted to the most viewers in a decade. Jodie Whittaker is the first female ever to take on the iconic role. And uh, the series debuted last week on the BBC to more than 9 million viewers, the highest debut for a doctor in 10 years by a huge margin. Doctor Who is now one of the biggest shows of the year in Britain, drawing more viewers than any new BBC series. That's really cool. Yeah. And lastly, in case you missed it, since the Harvey Weinstein case, it has come out that sexual harassment claims have increased 12%. Uh, The numerous harassment and assault uh, against Weinstein, which helped fuel the Me Too movement, first arose last October. And the year since then, the Equal Employment Opportunities Commission says the number of workplace sexual harassment claims increased significantly after after falling for the seven years prior. The numbers seem to suggest that victims of sexual harassment have been emboldened 
to report the abuse and call out harassment in the workplace. For comparison's sake, the nation also saw an increase in claims following the Anita Hill hearings in 1991. So good. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, yeah, I would imagine that it's not an an uptick in behavior as much as an uptick in courage to say what happened. Yeah, exactly. Now people will believe, you you know, in this in this moment, they're more likely to have their voices heard. You know, man, did y'all see last week? I don't think we talked about it. Did y'all see last week all the people who were doing the hashtag why I didn't report? Yeah, yeah, that was really sobering. I mean, so heartbreaking. Yeah. And just I mean, just um, my hope when I kept seeing that, I kept thinking, I hope that that when people read why someone else didn't report, they'll go, okay, well, then I can report this happening to me. And I can, you know, like, because she didn't, I will, right? I think it's been, some of these stories have been sort of, like, obviously, I get very, uh, it's it's very harrowing to read these stories from, from women. And it's very, uh, it's eye-opening in a really dark way. And it's also sort of, uh, it's, it's, um, I think it's important because you realize as a guy, you realize sort of your own complicity because it's easy when you read these really bad stories about people like Harvey Weinstein or, uh, or, or the president to be like, well, I'm not that, bad. you know, I've never done anything like that. But then you read about the little things, the little, uh, uh, ways that you sort of delegitimize or ask questions or, or so, uh, doubts irresponsibly on a day to day basis that have just been part of like my upbringing as a guy in this country and are ingrained and, and seeing that autopsy the way we have over That's the past a, uh, a couple of weeks and, and months and, and uh, I think a full year now since Weinstein, uh, has been challenging, challenging, but important. Cool. Yeah. Well, that'll do it for In Case You Missed It. Stay tuned. Up next, Christine Kane joins us. Ethel Ethel. The song is Scream Hole. At the beginning of the podcast, you heard KB with his new single, Long Live the Champion, featuring Yariel and Gabriel Rodriguez. Well, this week's show is brought to you by Casper, a sleep brand that makes expertly designed products to help you get your best rest one night at a time. Casper products are cleverly designed to mimic human curves, providing supportive comfort for all kinds of bodies. I can, trust me, I have a Casper. You have a kind of body. All kinds of bodies. And I have a very abnormal body. (laughs) (laughs) Hey, hey, I saw a podcast fan stuck our faces on VeggieTales this week, and he made me an asparagus. And I said, I think you should make me the tomato that's more accurate to my body type. And so he adjusted. (laughs) That was a great, that was one of my favorite things our listeners have done since I've joined the show, putting, making us all into VeggieTale characters. So, you know, Casper Mattress is perfect for an asparagus or a tomato. the tagline. <laughs> the original Casper mattress uh, combines multiple supportive memory foams for a quality sleep surface with just the right amount of sink and bounce. Uh, they also have a breathable design which helps you sleep cool, which is also a major issue, you know, in Florida. 
all the night sweats, you know. Yeah, and uh, yeah. it, it regulates your body temperature throughout the night. Um, Casper offers two other mattresses now, the Wave and the Essential. The Wave features a patent-pending premium support system to mirror the natural shape of your body. And the Essential has a streamlined design at a price that won't keep you up at night. Oh, see what they did there? I like it. Mm-hmm. I like it. I see what they did there. Good, good copy. copy. We call it good copy in the biz. Casper <laughs> <laughs> also has a wide array of other products like pillows and sheets to ensure an overall better sleep experience. Again, we have the Casper pillow and sheets and they are phenomenal. Uh, they, they can offer affordable prices because Casper cuts out the middleman and sells directly to you. You can be sure of your purchase with Casper's 100 night risk-free sleep on it trial. 100 nights is a long time. It's three months. You can do a lot of damage in 100 nights. <laughs> oh boy. <laughs> Uh, but right now they're doing a special offer for relevant podcast listeners. You can get $50 off a uh, select mattress by visiting casper.com slash RM. That stands for relevant magazine and using promo code RM at checkout terms and conditions apply. Remember $50 off uh, select mattresses at casper.com slash RM and promo code RM. The anti-human trafficking organization A21 recently celebrated the 10th anniversary of its founding. Today, the group operates offices in 14 places around the world and has been recognized by groups including the UN, the U.S. State Department, and has recently received the Mother Teresa Memorial Award. It's amazing. We recently uh, spoke with the group's founder, Christine Kane, about A21's work, balancing her mission as both an activist and an evangelist. And the biggest lesson she's learned in the last 10 years, with me interrupting about 10 minutes in, here is our conversation with Christine Kane. Cameron burst through the door with a phone book and said, guys, watch this. First Thessalonians 8, 12. It was, Christine was impressed. My mind was blown. And did it derail the interview? Absolutely. Was it awesome? Heck yeah. Is there a First Thessalonians 8? Don't even know. Did the phone book rip? Close. Really close. <laughs> I don't know because Cameron ran back out of the room shortly <laughs> after, and I don't think he did rip it. But it was A for effort. <laughs> so where do you see, you know, because it was the 10th anniversary of the founding, right in Greece, right? Was yeah. That, that was the... Where, well, we started. Yes, it, we started our um, office in Greece and Australia sort of simultaneously. But it was 10 years since we kind of started out officially. Here we go. We don't know what we're doing, but we're registered and here we go. So that's where we've just done now 10 years, uh, 14 offices in 13 countries um, and just uh, like unbelievable stuff happening with Can You See Me campaigns and um, our Walk for Freedom is going to be in a few weeks and, you know, that's that'll have 70,000-plus registered walkers, 400 cities, 52 countries. Like, wow. it's it's really starting to yeah. gain some great momentum. What, what's the what's the biggest lesson you've learned over the last 10 years? I'm utterly convinced that Jesus can transform lives. That's I'm utterly convinced yeah. um, because I've seen it. I've seen the most broken, the most uh, devastating stories. And not only did it do, do it for me, but, um, you know, even for the worst case of a victim of trafficking that Jesus can restore and redeem. So I would say um, that is awesome. But, of all, you know, the big lesson is that with God anything is possible yeah. because we are in nations that people thought it would be impossible to start. Yeah. Um, 
we've seen traffickers prosecuted that people thought it would be impossible, there is yeah. too much corruption, There, you're not going to be able to do it. Yeah. Um, I have seen the faithfulness of the church because we, from day one, it's been the church globally that has sent us and continues to send us. Um, and contrary to the naysayers and negativity, the local church, in my experience, has been nothing but on the forefront of social justice, helping um, set captives free, wanting to be part of the answer and a solution. Um, so I've seen the beauty of unity. I've seen the power of the church when she's on mission. Um, I've seen the power of uh, a cause to help unite everybody, no matter yeah. what their belief system is or their faith practice or um, their country. Like I'm just thinking of we have worked, the miracles we've seen in Thailand, um, just from utter corruption to having a child advocacy centre with Homeland Security, um, FBI, the um, you know, Chinese royal um, the Chinese, the Thai royal police, and seeing in the middle of Pattaya, the pedophile capital of the world, that we were able to put in a child advocacy centre and begin to see change and transformation in just the darkest of darkness. Yeah. Um, there's so many lessons because I've seen the uh, like, even for the most ardent naysayer. <laughs> that um, there is no devil and there is no demonic realm. I'm like, come and work with me for one day yeah. and you will very quickly believe in evil. Yeah. You will believe in a literal heaven and a literal hell. Like, I'm just going like, so, some of this stuff, I'm like, oh, no, evil is out there. Yeah. The darkness is dark. And this is, above all, a spiritual battle against powers and principalities. And so, um, you know, thank God, the biggest thing, if people go, what is your greatest... Uh, tool prayer and fasting is the backbone yeah. of what we do um and then of course partnership but anyone will tell you if they've known me over 10 years if like what can we do for a 21 the very first thing uh, before i'll ever ask you for money is i'll ask you for prayer because yeah. it's like um there are demonic strongholds and i think you know you don't have to be a rocket science to scientist to work it out um with the increasing usage if it's even possible but of um just porn sites and the whole pornography industry and it gets darker and darker and the dark web gets darker and darker it's just there's more and more perverse ways of uh buying and selling human beings and using them and i think that depravity continues to drive the industry it's a business you know um so i don't know that anyone but the church because of our spiritual component yeah. is going to be able to see this yeah. come to come down. You know what I mean? This stronghold yeah. come down. So, yes, do we need everything else? And I think best practices, I mean, it's the grace of God. You know, we've got awards from the UN, from um, Homeland Security here, from um, the Department of Justice, from um, the Mother Teresa Award. So, obviously, we, I think the, the fact that you can be... Uh, Christian with best practices, yeah. global excellence, recognize at the highest levels, you do not have to compromise service provision, nor your own personal convictions. Um, yeah. And I think that scripture that says, you know, let your light so shine before men that they will see your good works and glorify your Father in heaven. Yeah. I think there's a lot to be said for that. So I think A21, that is pretty awesome in terms of, um, and our service providers are the best of the best. And so I love it that. Only God could have done this 10 years and in an age where young people want to really do meaningful work, yeah. they want um, their faith and their work to collide in a really meaningful way day in and day out. I love it because they're kind of graduating and we're, we're I mean, we've got 
interns and staff from everywhere but I'm just thinking in this last intake we had um, from you know Stanford from Georgetown from Princeton and I'm just kind of going it's like pretty awesome that you know that there is a organization that people kind of being educated in some of these Ivy League schools going oh I really would love to do an internship there I always wanted that I always thought we could provide you know best practice in so many ways um, and still remain entirely uh, you know orthodox and committed to our, our biblical values yeah. which I think it I th- I'm hoping that we can help model um, and my broader ministry the goal is to help model a third way forward you know not hyper right or hyper left but this yeah. third way that's not either or but both and because people can't really box me they're like yeah. you know you you like this rampant evangelist and you do this global social justice yeah. work so what are you Christine is it evangelism or social justice I'm like uh and two sides of the same coin Christine you're sort of like kind of charismatic here but you go to Wheaton in grad school and you're across the you're doing a bible study with Lifeway and but you're from Hillsong so what are you Christine is it is it spirit or truth I'm like and you know both two sides of the same coin you know is it faith or works two sides of the same coin I don't think I've ever fit into a box I was never right enough for the right and I was never left enough for the left um and I'm way too orthodox to be cool nowadays. That was Christine Kane. Up next, your feedback. changed over the past 2,000 years. The good news of Jesus Christ is not one of them. The ancient modern Bible gives you the opportunity to encounter the Bible alongside the great voices of the church, past and present, with in-text commentary and biographies from Christian thinkers, including Augustine, Charles Spurgeon, C.S. Lewis, Dietrich Bonhoeffer, Eugene Peterson, and N.T. Wright. Full-color design that uniquely blends modern typography with traditional sacred elements. One faith handed down for all the saints. The Ancient Modern Bible, available now at ancientmodernbible.com. Days have come and they've gone. Don't leave me hanging. Listen to Young the Giant. The song is Call Me Back. Been there. <laughs> well, this week's episode is also brought to you by Samaritan Ministries. It's a healthcare sharing ministry with over a quarter of a million Christians caring for one another's needs, from broken bones to cancer, pregnancies to organ transplants, all without the use of insurance. October marks Pregnancy and Infant Loss Awareness Month. And Samaritan aims to walk alongside members who find themselves on this road, recognizing that miscarriages and stillbirths can bring profound grief and a loss that can be overlooked even even by the caring community. 
April of Texas says this of her experience with Samaritan Ministries. I made a call to cancel the maternity need I had submitted, and the man who spoke with me handled the call with such dignity. He truly helped to make at least this one step as easy as possible. His prayer with me at the end of the call was a huge encouragement during our grieving and yet another confirmation that we are in the right place with Samaritan Ministries. Grief can be a lonely place and the Samaritan Ministries community wants to encourage those going through a loss of a baby that you are surrounded by love and that God truly sees you in his pain. If you'd like to learn more about how you can be part of this community of Christians helping each other with health care, visit SamaritanMinistries.org slash relevant. Uh, go do it. An amazing organization and healthcare sharing um, is an awesome kind of countercultural model. I love it. Yeah, very cool. Okay. Well, it is time for your feedback. Uh, last Friday on the show, we got talking about uh, old, old sitcoms we grew up with that maybe looking back haven't aged as well as you'd think. Uh, so we asked you for your question of the week, maybe shows that you grew up with that are now maybe questionable or problematic in hindsight. You guys hit us up on Twitter at Relevant Podcast, and you also posted on the podcast episode page at relevantmagazine.com. Here's a few of our favorites. Um, Chad on Twitter said that the original Curious George books contained smoking and calling people fat. That doesn't sound <laughs> like the Curious George I know. <laughs> the 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 George. It's, the, it's the man in the yellow hat. He's the real yeah, culprit. he's a real jerk. Uh, uh, Chad That's said so he skipped weird. those parts when he reads them to the kid. Why do you even have the books anymore, Chad? Like, yeah, get the updated ones. Yeah. yeah. Exactly. They were smoking was weirdly common in you know That's true. pretty much all media. I, I get the same thing with Bernstein Bears. They're kind of they, I don't have any problem with them, but in the old books, they're hippies. They are some hippie bears. Like they're going to protests, environmental causes. I forgot about that when I was a kid or didn't realize it. I don't have I an issue them. with it. I do love the Bernstein Bears, but I mean, they were really out there fighting the power. You know, and they just had a lot of activities. They did a new thing every day. Yeah, they went to the problem, park. That's they problematic for me because it sets kids' expectations way too high. No, we're chilling out doing nothing. I don't know. I don't care. We're not going on a canoe trip. We're not fishing. We're not learning a new sport. I don't care what you read. I'm sitting here on the couch. Okay, so do y'all the other another piece of feedback we got is about that Netflix show, Thoroughly Modern Millie. That I, um, oh no, that's not the one. You're I don't know. Thoroughly Modern. I was Miss thinking. Maisel. I am. I don't know what Thoroughly Modern Millie is. Evidently, though, it... Uh, oh, it's a musical. <laughs> oh, no wonder. <laughs> it is. It's it. a musical. Yeah, Julie Andrews and Mary Tyler Moore. Um, yeah. She said she loved it when they were kids. It's about these girls that are being kidnapped and sold into trafficking, huh? Thoroughly Modern Millie sounds very <laughs> disturbing. <laughs> I don't think that. I don't think Thoroughly Modern Millie was ever... That was never, like, an acceptable practice. Kidnapping wasn't something that was, like, kind of, like, fun, cool back in, like, the day and is now frowned upon, I don't think. Yeah, well, there used to be a lot of stuff that was greenlit on a premise that, you know emotionally distant military fathers. Oh, coach can be hilarious. You know, <laughs> a guy who makes a lifelike little girl doll robot. Oh, nothing creepy there. Small wonder. It, like it, it just used to be. Gosh, I love that show, Jesse. I'm did, so did you glad like you brought small that wonder? up. It's pretty oh weird. Oh my though, gosh. Right? I haven't thought about it in so long. Isn't it weird? The, is that the one where she, in that the one where she touched the diamond thing? That's another one I've never heard of. Oh, really? Of course. Chandler, baby Chandler. I've never actually seen any episodes of it, but the reputation is very strange. Tyler, you have like a, a pop culture void 
of when, especially when it comes to sitcoms, I feel like. I think that's true. I think that's really like eight, like eighties, nineties sitcoms. I wasn't really on the sitcom train until like the office era. Really? You didn't yeah. grow up watching yeah. them at all. And now I watch, now I watch a lot of them, but, but at the, but for a lot, we didn't really watch a lot of TV in my home growing up. My parents were, were not like super into to sitcoms. There was a lot of worldly messages. Sounds like all I was missing out on was people being kidnapped and boys creating <laughs> <or> robot <laughs> women. Cameron, for I, have a que- I have a question for you about a sitcom that I've been thinking about. Who's the boss, right? You're <sighs> like, the, the premise is that this home this home is going over such renovations that a handyman moves in with the family for what? Eight years? He's not the handyman. Seven? He's the nanny. He's, I mean, he's the housekeeper. He becomes the, the nanny slash housekeeper. He starts out as the handyman. But Cameron, really? your your home is going under renovation. Major. How weird would it be if a Tony Danza like fellow <laughs> just you decided like you know why don't you just move in? Why don't we just why don't you just be a part of the family now? You know I'll go to work, you do stuff around the house, and wackiness will ensue. Don't you feel like that's a little weird? Like that people just decided like it's not. At some point, he's done. At some point, he had he, all the you know stuff around the house has got finished. It's all he's doing eight hours a day. There's no indication that he had another gig. Like he's yeah. working on this one home eight hours full time. It's just problematic. Is that he clearly is is milking it mm-hmm. and taking advantage of these nice ladies who are keeping him employed? Yeah, he's just trying to he's just trying to milk them of all their their money. He's I definitely know. breaking oh. stuff off camera so right. that he can go back and fix it. No, they're just, it's just a nice tale of a guy moving in with a family. <laughs> For what? For what? And I also was disturbed by Alice on the Brady Bunch because, you know, like one, that, like, a live in perfectly normal 1960s a live-in servant, a live-in servant is weird. And they make her wear the same thing every day. Like, does Alice have any life or does she, you know, she just retire to the room over the garage and, and put on her, you know, blue dress every day and make lunch for those six brats and cousin Oliver later. Like Listen, it just seems- one of the things I learned yesterday at SeaWorld is you don't put human emotions on whales. And another thing you don't put is human is forced emotions on housekeepers. You don't know if she was made to wear that outfit or if she chose to wear that outfit. I think Jesse. we know. I think we know. It's called empathy. You try to have that. Would you want to wear the same? Would you choose to wear the A same outfit? A thousand percent. I would wear the exact same thing every day if I could. And at some point, is the family like, uh, Tony Dana says, says the fence is broke again. So he's going to be working on that this week. Like, at some point, he's done. All right. Well, there's more feedback where that came from. You can go check it out online. Okay, it's time for this week's editorial question of the week. Well, earlier on the show, we were talking about the power team a lot and how you know that was a seminal outreach device Un- that untouchable that you know shaped a generation. You know, they go into the schools <laughs> during the day. And do the feats of strength and say, if you want to see us do the big feats of strength, you should come to this church tonight. And then they would do the big feats of strength, <laughs> shout the Bible verses, and people would get saved. We want to know for this week's uh, question of the week, what are some of the more maybe unusual evangelistic or gospel <laughs> outreach things that you experienced yeah. or maybe participated in <laughs> yeah. growing up? Um uh, you know, we all had the power team experience, but you know, yeah. I'm sure there maybe a magician came to your church. Maybe 
Carmen himself. I don't know. Maybe there was a disaster with the flag team. We don't know. (laughs) (laughs) I I don't know. Balancer, a guy who like balanced crazy stuff on his hands and on his head and on his chin and then tied that into like how we all need balance in our own life. You know, you can, you can (laughs) sell the So he had one trick and it was balancing things. It was, he balanced like a ladder on his head. He that's balanced like, a lawnmower. Really? That's like when you find out one of the one of the Avengers only is, can shoot arrows good, and it's like, wait, that's the only power he's good at shooting arrows. It's like wait, he, you're doing a whole hour long entertainment thing about balancing stuff. Like I feel like that's an opener, balancing like, plates. Like with Hawkeye, if it works, it works, man. Like the guy was booking gigs. I don't know what to tell you. <laughs> I know, I know. One time at my church, I was bamboozled into dressing as the devil as part of a youth group skit, oh, sure. but I was also the announcement guy. Oh, didn't yeah, have time for sure. to change. I, th- I told this story. <laughs> I did the announcements as the devil uh, from his Wait. perspective, like the wicked thing. That's you know? awful. Like, 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 the devil like a live screw tape letters. Oh, it's it like was. Dante. This is like Dante's Inferno. So you were telling the church congregation, don't go to the picnic yeah, this like, afternoon. <laughs> I was like, no, yeah. Yeah, it was like, hey, vacation Bible school. Might want to just keep them home this week and read Harry Potter books. And like... You know, and it was just Try like go one over. after the other after the other. And I got suspended from announcements for that. So yeah, it's too high concept. Too high yeah, yeah, yeah. People work. <laughs> Man, we are getting into that time of year where churches do that um, uh, Halloween Harvest judgment party. day thing. House. Yeah. Get Harvest parties. Ha- wait. Holy Ghost Can't weenie wait. roast. Yeah. Oh, yeah. It's, uh, Heaven's Gates, Hell's Flames. Not so haunted hay rides. They're just really lame, slow rides. Well, it's it's one it's it's one of two directions. You're either going like trunk or treat, you know, holy goes when you roast safe for the little ears type family friendly or you're going to go scare people out of hell you know you're going to you walk through horrific car accident scenes and stuff that's like this isn't so much scary as awful (laughs) (laughs) yeah that's true the goal was to terrify you and it wasn't so much terrifying as like ugh. That's not good. So hit us up on Twitter at Relevant Podcast, or you can post your longer weird uh, evangelism experiences uh, stories at the podcast episode page at relevantmagazine.com. I mean, I do want to hear these, and I don't want to hear these. Are we going to be so embarrassed of our belief system after listening to this? We're going to have new business ideas after this. Well, many thanks to Christine Kane for joining us today. Uh, you can follow her on Twitter at Christine Kane. And you can learn more about A21 at A21.org. Incredible organization. Thanks also to the show's sponsors for making the episode possible. Uh, remember, you can get $50 towards select mattresses by visiting casper.com slash RM and using promo code RM at checkout. Terms and conditions apply. And also uh, Samaritan Ministries. If you'd like to learn more about how you can be part of this community of Christians helping each other with healthcare, visit SamaritanMinistries.org slash relevant. Well, hey, if you like the show, uh, head over to iTunes and rate it and leave a review. It helps other people discover it. If you don't like the show, keep it to yourself. But uh, Jesse, you have been eyeing the mm-hmm. comments lately. Uh, what, uh, what's, what's a comment that a listener has left that's caught your eye this uh, week? I, I'll read two. One is titled Mowing Listening Material. Uh, I listen to the podcast every week while I mow. Really enjoy it. Y'all are great. I have a question about this user's yard because we put out two a week. I don't know what he's using to make it grow, but I'm so very impressed. This is the green much. thumb. Re- Maybe he's just a very slow mower. And only slow does a couple or he just keeps going and he treats the entire street 
to a nice, tidy lawn. Because maybe, he's just, maybe he lives on a golf course. Maybe he's a groundskeeper. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, there you go. Yeah, he's a uh, professional um, groundskeeper. This one's called Instant Love with a podcast. Uh, uh, she says, I can't get enough of this podcast. Uh, I'm just sorry that I ran out of episodes to binge on. Now she's got to wait for uh, new episodes every week. So she went back and listened to the archives. That's very impressive. But she says, I have to warn you to be careful while listening and running. Sometimes I have to stop because I'm laughing too hard. Otherwise, it's perfect. What fantastic feedback. If you uh, if if you haven't heard the 690 or something episodes that uh, that we've done, you can go over to relevantmagazine.com and uh, they're all there. You can yeah. you can go through the archives. Just caution there. if you're going for a jog. It's more of a mowing pod than a running pod. According <laughs> to this and hey, listen, I don't think runners should put on us that we're the reason they stopped running. That feels like blame shift. I don't. And I'm not here for I don't it. Mind. I think they just stopped because they were tired and, and running is boring. That is what, hey says the guy who just did quite a lot of running. Quite a lot of running and haven't run since. <laughs> All right. Uh, well, on that note, we'll wrap things up. I'm Cameron Strang. I'm Chandler Strang. I'm Jesse Carey. I'm Tyler Huckabee. And I'm Annie F. Downs. We will see you on Tuesday when Jesus Culture joins us. Thank you for listening to The Relevant Podcast. If you like what you heard, be sure to leave us a review on iTunes. Check out other shows from The Relevant Podcast Network in the podcast section at relevantmagazine.com. And while you're there, browse exclusive podcast merchandise at our online store. Make sure to subscribe to Relevant Magazine. Info is available at relevantmagazine.com forward slash subscribe. But the people still make it. They will never break it. Come with your with the grace here. Being made here. Spend a couple days here. See the courageous people that you don't want to migrate here. Probably really want to have the gospel for the nation. Cause I see sheep. When you say your heart's full, homie, I see eat. When I see weak, I pray to God I see me. Come on. One time for the South You see my fin, it's bent over, which means I'm sad. <laughs> Tillicum, Tillicum, Tillicum. Relevant Podcast Network.